The media keeps one monster under the bed at all times. The monster is scary enough that it causes panic. It could be a mass shooter, a white supremacist, or even a cheating spouse. The monster must be deviant enough that its behaviour makes you feel better about yourself. The media then amplifies that behaviour so much that the monster becomes a threat to the social order of society. The monster is then the cause for moral panic. Moral panic is always there and it always sells. Because let's face it, who wants the nice guy? We want a scapegoat. My guest on today's program is Barclay McGain, a young man who knows the plight of being a scapegoat better than most. He was just 19 years of age when he appeared in a video that went viral for all the wrong reasons and turned him into the new media monster. Two years later, in the news trucks of Lefty's front yard, the outrage has simmered and the sun continues to shine. G'day Nick and um, thanks for having me on. My story started when I was 19, just a couple years ago, and it started when I was politically involved with the Young Liberal National Party um, here in Queensland. I was the Gold Coast Young LNP chair and as someone who was 19, that's quite young to be involved in politics and I was a big believer of young people being involved in politics and uh, I suppose that's sort of setting the scene there. I was someone who tends to lean more towards the right, but I wouldn't call myself, um, you know, far right or anything that's outside of the ordinary in terms of my views, largely quite libertarian. And yes, essentially, I suppose I ran into trouble when with our branch, we decided to do a schoolies video um, where we interviewed school leavers and we ran into trouble when one of the interviewees referred to Indigenous Australians. And essentially the comments reflect back on myself um, for failing to do my due diligence in editing them out. And by virtue of that, I became the punching bag of the left and someone who was seen as this symbol of racist youth. Right. And the fact that it was tied to the LNP made it into a national story. And it meant that my family and I received, you know, numerous death threats. Mm. Channel 7 and Channel 9 camera vans outside my house for two days ringing the doorbell of course and yeah it was just an awful time and since then i'd love to say it has stopped and that it was just a, a storm in a teacup but unfortunately the uh the backlash has kept on ensuing mm. as much as i'm you know obviously concerned about you know those who are involved with the original clip and those who've been affected since then most notably my family yes I'm more so concerned about where this means we're heading as a society because young people are so prone to slip up. For sure. Some don't even slip up and they're being cancelled nowadays for things that sometimes are just factual in nature and sometimes are just them expressing their well-intentioned opinion. Mm. And I don't think it's a sustainable path for us to continue heading down and that's why you know, I'm hoping to just take a stand and um, ensure that it doesn't happen to the next person. And your story got passed around the globe, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It certainly did. In terms of the, the, the reach of a lot of the backlash to the original post, I mean, it made headlines in New Zealand. It had been shared by 
the young Democrats in the United States, also within the Daily Mail in the UK. So it, it went, you know, quite far reaching. I think one thing that people forgot with their, their rampage was that there's people on the backside of it and not just me because, you know, I'm someone who likes to think that it hasn't had a huge detrimental impact on me. I'm not someone who's experienced mental health issues before. But mostly on my, my family and my close friends who feel as though they've had to rearrange their life and how much they're able to engage with me as a result of an out-of-place comment, which I think is you know, quite absurd and a bad precedent to set going forward. And yeah, I, I must say it, it, it amazed me at the time and it still amazes me now how broad-reaching the comment went. And in many cases, it was actually exacerbated because my, my name is also almost the perfect caricature of the, the young liberal that people have in their, have in their minds. <laughs> Why do you say that? So, Barclay McGain. <laughs> you sound like a capitalist. A mate of mine showed a whole heap of tweets that contained, you know, similar wordings or, you know, playing off that. And they said, Barclay McGain and his friend, Banky McBankface. <laughs> Growing up, I guess, you know, I always knew my name was out of the ordinary, but I didn't realize it was such a, a caricature that people must have picked up on. And that was a bit of a self-realization moment for me anyway. And all your details were published online too, weren't they? If we're referring to doxing, mm. a lot of people, you know, once they latched onto, you know, this is the person's name, this is where he lives. I'm not sure how people were able to find that. It's not yeah, something right. I yeah. can this publicly. No. Thankfully, I didn't receive any backlash from the public. It was mostly just the media who decided to come to Where come was to. your home address posted to? Uh, on Twitter. I bet they didn't take that down. No, I certainly didn't take <laughs> it down. They decided to put up my mobile number, my email address. Mm. You know, we were receiving hundreds of calls you know, each day for about a month afterwards. What were the nature of those calls? Some people were just outright F off Nazi scum, oh, um, yeah. you know, those kind of things. Yep, that old chestnut. And then you had people who really tried to do a well-intentioned response as though I was, you know, some mm. white supremacist racist <laughs> and that they were trying to convert me. They right. were saying, eventually you'll learn, you'll grow up and you'll learn from your ways. And I pray that you do every day, taking this really righteous stance. And sure then a is. lot of these people saw, you know, saw, the, saw it as an opportunity to, I suppose, spout this propaganda of, you know, always was, always will be as though oh, yeah. they know my opinion on Indigenous issues yeah, they love, by they default, love something like just this. by me holding a mic in a video. All of a sudden, I become, you know, alt-right, a fringe of Australian political discourse just by virtue of, you know, holding, holding a microphone. A mic. And, um, you know, it, it, it brings into scrutiny a whole heap of things such as your job. Yeah, sure. Previous school. Some of my school had to do a statement. You know, this is my high school had to do a statement essentially saying that, you know, whilst Barclay is an alumni of this school, the video is strongly condemned in all terms, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I mean, they had Gold Coast Bulletin vans, you know, lined up outside. Your school? Yeah. And, and I, I suppose that was because they just wanted to, you know, ask the, uh, the, the very obviously not question of, you know, was this as a part of the curriculum at your at your esteem? You know? <laughs> yeah. So we've got Nazi fascism 101. Oh, that starts at two o'clock. Then you want to move on to white supremacy, which I think, no, that's an evening lecture. <laughs> that's an evening lecture. <laughs> and, and, you know, everything they said and reported on just was to fill that narrative. So it was the Gold Coast Bulletin saying, we travelled to McGain's esteemed private school. Elite. In, in Elite the, uh, private school. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and this elite private school on the Gold Coast. I tell you what, mate, the list of elite private schools is getting pretty thin. Yeah, it's starting to get into Catholic schools. You know? <laughs> I laugh at that as a Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm glad you laugh at that. <laughs> Go on. 
And, you know, when they came to my house, all of a sudden, my family's four-bedroom house um, became, we went down to McGain's luxury home at Crawbeach Waters <laughs> <laughs> to see what he had to say about the comments deemed by many as racist. <laughs> and and it was oh, just, dear. you know, hysterical that mm. everything was just fulfilling this narrative. And was it every photo they had of me on social media was me in a suit and tie because, you mm-hmm. know, me in board shorts and thongs didn't fit the narrative. Of course Because not. they didn't want people to think that I'm a bogan middle class. They wanted to fulfill this narrative that... A sophisticated white supremacist. Sophisticated, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that everything's been handed to me in life. Mm. It's just, you know, divisive journalism. It's and as journalism. I think the word you said before had hit the nail on the head with myopic. Right. It's almost Cold War-esque stuff. And I say that because, you know, in the United States, I mean, you look at something like WWE, for example, which I was a fan of. Right. Um, you know, you'd always have the American patriot who is... The hero, Rick and then Claire. you have this mean, evil Woo! Russian who was strong and bald and would have an evil laugh, and then the hero would always win at the end of the day and they'd start chanting, USA. <laughs> it's just this continuation yeah. of that because they know it sells. People love heroes and villains. They don't love nuance. Most journalists don't. Well, one thing I will say about journalism, and you know, you won't hear many positive comments from me, is that it's a tricky position for them to be in because otherwise they do not sell papers. If the headline was all of a sudden that, you know, Barclay McGain um, is, is actually a, a kind of all right guy, it wouldn't sell. Mm. And that's why a lot of these journalists who some of them, you know, perhaps they're well-intentioned, mm-hmm. they have to move into this mold that we've just created of everything yeah, being, right. as you said, sensationalist. Mm. And I think we need to call it out. I think the problem is bigger than newspapers not selling, though, because they've been dying for a while. You can almost smell the carcass, right? The cause of that, that death was the advent of yeah. the 24-hour news cycle, which I, for one, believe is actually the root cause of, of everything we're talking about. We've got to remember it was only a couple of generations ago that the kid was standing on the street going, Extra, extra, read all about it. Yep. PM halfway through boat trip to England. Yeah. <laughs> so people learned that piece of information and then carried on with their day. But now with the 24-hour news cycle, editors are under pressure to break news every 15 minutes, mm-hmm. which is just not possible because there's just not that much news, right? So they don't break news, they break headlines because those headlines bring in, in the ad money. So there's an obvious incentive here for journalists and editors to create great headlines over great journalism by any means possible. And by great headlines, I mean unethical headlines that put eyeballs on screens. I think you hit the nail on the head. And when, you know, they're calling out, you know, young people, as the pressure is always to do, it's to get the cleanest and crisp details as possible. There's no case where you can pursue defamation unless you're a billionaire or your name's Clive. It's simply impossible to follow that route. You know, there was numerous false headlines made about myself. Some people even saying, you know, Barclay McGain said There's no case that you could construe to say that, you know, it was just me and my mouth didn't magically move. But that didn't stop them. Um, You know, any requests that I could have made falls on deaf ears. I think it's an awful, um, it's an awful system that we have. Again, you know, I'm a strong supporter in freedom of the press. I believe in the rights of, you know, anyone to really publish, I suppose, whatever they want. But it doesn't make it good journalism suddenly just because it's published in one of the, the major news outlets. And I think that's what a lot of people have to latch on to. It's not a case of left-wing or right-wing biases anymore. It's, it's almost all just crap. And it really is just to grab a headline. Do you see yourself as a victim here? I don't want to make it out as though I'm, I'm a victim because I, I don't feel like I am. 
because you know when I think of victims, I think of people who have you know been smashed up with black eyes. They've lost a loved one. Mm. Thankfully, this hasn't been an incident that I've you know lost loved ones over. Mm. I've lost jobs over it, but it's not a case of me you know having such a detrimental impact that I'll feel with me for the rest of my life. And that's what I've got to keep telling myself and telling my friends and family who have concern that, you know, tomorrow's going to be a new day and the sun's going to rise and to roll with the punches and keep on going. That's a great attitude. Barclay again. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nick. And thanks for everyone to tuning in. Bye now. Inside Out with Nick Holt. Just a reminder, you can now find all previous episodes of Inside Out on Spotify, iTunes, and now iHeartRadio. Radio.